Hey everyone, this is Rosemary Coates in Silicon Valley. I'm your host for this edition of the Frictionless Supply Chain Podcast. I'm the Executive Director of the Reshoring Institute, where we help companies bring back or expand their manufacturing in the U.S. And I'm a contributing writer to Supply Chain Management Review. Today, I'm chatting with my guest, Bernadine Henderson. And I think you go by Bernie, right? That's correct. Okay. Okay, so Bernadine Henderson, and we'll call her Bernie today, uh, the Director of Strategic Sourcing and Global Procurement at Proto Labs. So many manufacturers are in need of a prototype when they have a new design or they change to a new product. And Proto Lab provides this kind of prototyping services and small production runs in the U.S. and other locations throughout the U.S., including machining, 3D printing, plastic injection molding. But I'm going to let Bernie tell you more about her company and the challenges she faces in global procurement. So let's get started. Welcome, Bernie. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Tell us a little bit more about Proto Labs. I think it's such an interesting business and one that people don't often think about in terms of supply chain and how it fits together with a business and, and manufacturing of products. So Proto Labs is a digital manufacturer. And by digital, it really is the quick process of our customers being able to upload their drawings and their needs, their specifications into our system and us with the ability to provide a quote and then quickly manufacture it, uh, the part or the product for the customer quickly. And so our business model is all created on speed uh, from design and development to production. So it's either rapid prototyping to longer term customer needs. Okay, very interesting. Um... And uh, you have a pretty large machine shop and injection molding shop in Minnesota, I believe. Is that correct? That is correct. We have two facilities for our injection molding site and then one for our CNC machining, as well as we also have 3D printing in uh, North Carolina and additional manufacturing in New Hampshire, not to mention our European locations. Okay. And what, tell us about your role at Proto Labs. So as the Director of Procurement and Strategic Sourcing, my role is to ensure that we have the sources of supply that will quickly get us the materials we need to meet our customers' needs. And so a lot of that is regional sourcing, even if it's international sources of supply, we ensure that we have the inventory on hand or within our sources of supply locally to build quickly. So you started at ProtoLab just before the pandemic. Holy cow, what a crazy time it was for supply chain and still is in a lot of respects. Um, so how did ProtoLab fare during this time? Did you, because you're a production shop, I imagine the workers all had to be at work at the machines. Uh, but what about the office staff? Did you, uh, did you work from home and how did that all work out? Yes, it really was a crazy time. So I started in January of 2020 and I was working from home by March. And as a smaller company, we really didn't have a lot of the infrastructure to uh, allow our employees to work from home. So what was exciting is that we were able to quickly get the office personnel out of the office and at home and working. 
to keep our manufacturers safe. And so we were able to stay uh, operating throughout the pandemic. And the, I guess in a weird sense, uh, it was an exciting time because we were able to help our customers produce product quickly to get uh, product into the hospitals or clinics as uh, new developments and the needs were there. So we were operating the entire time and my team was really focused on ensuring that our employees were safe in the factories so that we weren't spreading COVID and had the protective equipment necessary as well as the material on hand so we could produce parts for our customers. Now the key word there is you were able to produce quickly, I think. Uh, there were so many companies, including big machine shops and, you know, places where they were doing repetitive manufacturing also, they couldn't get parts because they were sourced in, in China. And, uh, and of course, you know, there were all kinds of clogs in the global supply chain at the time and difficulty in getting products out of China. Um, and still some, some difficulties there, as we know, the uh, Chinese government has opened and closed factories over the past two years and still is shutting down factories today and, and uh, cities and so forth. So having a machine shop or an injection molding shop is a real advantage if it's in America and close to your customer base or in Europe also close to your customer base. So that's, that's pretty fantastic. So we, we know that about 84% of US companies say they're already reshoring or at least considering it, planning to reshore or expand US operations in the near future, which is just uh, an astounding trend um, that was speeded up by the pandemic. And this should, this should, I would think, result in some kind of boon for Proto Labs as more companies will be prototyping in the US um, first articles, specialty production runs in America, and we can also see upward trends in domestic sourcing, a fairly significant amount of uh, domestic sourcing going on. We're working with a lot of clients at the Reshoring Institute in that regard. Is that what you're seeing too? Are you seeing a, an upward trend in companies using ProtoLabs? We are, and uh, a lot of the companies are, that's where I made the comment we were growing with longer term production needs. Our business was really originally built on rapid production, rapid prototyping. But as the our customers are doing more reshoring or onshoring, we see a, a, a nice increase in our longer term production. So that really means from a sourcing standpoint, we have to have the right material on hand and available for longer term production needs, not just the quick turns, which is the core of our business, but also as we continue to grow and see more business for longer term production, have kind of that mix ready to go. So yes, it's been very beneficial to us. And that's why regional sources of supply are very important to our quick turns as well. I would imagine because of the kind of business that you have that um, it's, uh low volume, high mix uh, sort of production. So your clients are probably only ordering a few parts as prototypes and, and that sort of thing. That must be a difficult challenge to hand, handle from a procurement standpoint, since your clients are order, ordering a big variety of products. Um, how, do you, how do you handle that, um, that high mix approach? 
Uh, well, a lot of it has to do with our manufacturing and our ability to turn things over quickly, but also having uh, the right material on hand. And so if we can work collaboratively with our customers, we're able to figure out quickly what materials they're more inclined to use. And so, especially in the environment that we're in, where we have, we're limited on all the materials that we can get, depending on what's getting off the boats and being able to be trucked to our facility. If we can work with our customers to utilize what's on hand for maybe more rapid prototyping, but then plan ahead for longer term production, it's really kind of that collaboration that we need to be having with our customers so that we can buy ahead or get the right inventory and get our distributors to carry what we need. You're, you're sourcing things like metals so that you can do machining, right? So bulk, bulk metals and uh, plastics and, and all kinds of uh, individual, I don't know, products for injection molding. Right. Yeah. So are you you're doing global sourcing? Is that correct? We are, but more indirectly. So while we're for the US team, we're buying from regional distributors who are in turn buying from international providers. I would love to see there be more local sources of the original raw material, but right now we're at the mercy of where the raw material is produced but we do buy regionally where they will hold inventory for us and we have strategic relationships with them so that this way we can have standard um, material replenishment programs in place. Oh, that's interesting. So uh, they're holding the inventory. Inventory is an interesting uh, issue in supply chain and one that's often very difficult to control. Um, so since you're only doing small production runs, I would assume that you only need, you're only buying small lots and not big bulk, bulk stuff. Is that right? Correct. Which is why it lends well to us to go through distribution because we're probably not big enough to buy directly from the mills and the manufacturers that are producing it. And it also gives us the flexibility to buy multiple materials as well and uh, have an array of, of raw material available for the customers. It doesn't mean that we were um, less impacted by a lot of the supply chain issues because a lot of our material went on allocation. And so based on what we were buying before is what we were, uh, you know, it was available to us to buy now, but we worked directly with our suppliers. We ensured that, you know, we looked everywhere we could to get the right material at the right time, but um, we we're probably less impacted because we had a lot of those relationships already uh, in existence with our distributors. That's a really key point too, is having a good relationship with your suppliers. I know having interviewed lots of uh, companies over the past couple of years, uh, those that had relationships with only one supplier or um, not a very good relationship with a supplier, really struggled during the pandemic. And that, that's so, such an important lesson to learn is to keep those good relationships with your supplier along the way. And also, you know, it's interesting to me that um, 
your business model, I assume, doesn't include keeping a lot of inventory around. So because you're doing one-offs and so forth, you're not building to uh, to uh, to inventory that you're holding for your customer. You're only building it and then shipping it, right? Correct. We'll hold more in the raw material state, but our customers are looking for their parts right away. So typically we're shipping when uh, we build it. But our raw material, we've built up a little bit more than probably historically we have just because of the supply chain issues. But uh, when you look at our business model to maybe a, a larger company, no, we have uh, a big reliance and strong relationships with our suppliers to help us with that too. How do you, how, so t talk a little bit about your, how you maintain those relationships with your suppliers. Do you do quarterly business reviews or, you know, how do you develop those relationships? Well, we're actually in the infancy stage of that as well. So coming into Proto Labs, one of the things that I started to do was take over from, take us from a more tactical purchasing relationship with our suppliers to being far more strategic and sharing more information of what we see for growth and the needs that we have going forward. And it's in turn the same thing our customers are asking of us, we're asking of our suppliers. So that's really been a, a nice change for us in the last eight to 10 months now in this restructuring that, that we've done is we're engaging with our suppliers far more. And so right now, I wouldn't say that they're all consistently quarterly, they're at least quarterly, but as we're starting to reorganize and restructure and become far more strategic, we're having a lot more conversations with our suppliers. It could be almost weekly, if not monthly or quarterly. Gotcha. So along those lines, I know that you've reorganized your staff. Can you tell us how you started doing that and what you had in mind and how far along are you in that project? So when I started at Proto Labs, the, it, we were really just buyers buying materials based on the customer needs. And so as we started going through the pandemic and then following the pandemic, uh, we have the Black Swan events. It really became obvious that we needed to grow as an organization, especially as Proto Labs is growing. So I proposed creating a strategic sourcing organization with category managers that would have buyers reporting into them. And we aligned those positions based on our service lines. So injection molding, um, CNC machining, and 3D printing. And so right now we're kicking this off within the United States and it's becoming, um, uh, it's been a very positive change for the organization because even in a high inflationary market, we've been able to really focus on our spend and optimize it by price or volume wherever we can. And so it's been um, about 10, 11 months in the process of doing it. And um, so far we've seen some very positive results. So the category managers are more the strategic side and developing the relationships. And then the buyers are doing the day-to-day -day placement of purchase orders. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Okay. Okay. So that's that's great. Are you continuing to reorganize or are you done with that part of it? Now you're moving on to something else? Well, it's, it's a work in process. And so um, right now we're really focusing on 
the KPIs that we've been establishing and ensuring we have the right ones and aligning our priorities with our manufacturing priorities as well. So our operation leaders with uh, the, the strategic sourcing organization, ensuring we align and optimize and starting to focus on what are we gonna do for 2023? And then from a strategic standpoint, where is Protolabs growing and what else do they need? And I think that's really the next evolution of this is the starting point and where do we take the team going forward based on where Protolabs is going. It's really interesting because so many people, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are um, working for companies that are in these kind of transitions. So it's my understanding Protolabs is um, also trying now to concentrate on small production runs in addition to prototyping, right? So, and that's a that's a change in your business. Um, and it's really hard for supply chain people, purchasing people um, to be able to align to the new business model and to understand how it's going to change and how you're going to support it. Uh, do you have... Um, the ability to work with your senior executives on that strategy so that you can make sure your organization aligns and supports? I mean, how do you interact that way? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, going down this road, I've had total alignment and support through our executive leadership team. And we're really, we're, as a small company, we're also a relatively flat company. We don't have a lot of layers built in. And so that gives me direct uh, access to the leadership, whether it's up or out or around. And that has really been beneficial to me. And it's actually one of the things that I was excited about in joining Protolabs a couple of years ago. Um, and they were willing to hire me based on my recommendation of how we should do it for Protolabs. We're not a, 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 a large organization that has a lot of overhead or resources. So we have to be slim and trim as we launch this organization. And they've listened to me and they've empowered me to lead the team, create the KPIs, and then I've been able to show the results. So then now going forward, as we're building out our strategy for 2023 and beyond, I'm part of that and helping to build this organization. So we're helping to support the business along the way because everything we do protects the bottom line. Can you describe a little bit about um, your KPIs? Are they for uh, your internal staff or KPIs on with respect to suppliers or both? Both. Uh, when, we, uh, when I originally started, we didn't have a whole lot of KPIs. And so we started tracking not only our pricing and our ability to drive pricing down, which is the obvious one that we focus on a lot, but it's also the supplier performance. And are we getting the material at the right time? So if they commit to us that we're going to get it on the state, are we in fact getting it? Because we can't be uh, uh, productive for our customers if our suppliers aren't meeting the expectations we're setting. And so we have supplier KPIs and then we have the internal KPIs that we're reporting up. So do you collect data and um, uh, measure your suppliers through your uh, ERP system or how are, you, how are you doing that? How are you measuring for your KPIs? That's exactly what we're doing. So when we enter a purchase order and we have a request date versus a confirmation date, we're actually in our ERP system measuring the confirmation date. 
And so when they've confirmed this date, are they actually meeting it? And then we're able to take that reporting and uh, share it across the organization. And so there, there's probably the give and takes with suppliers that you know things will happen. And so maybe we might be willing to change some of the dates or we can afford to, but at the end of the day, we really wanna ensure that we're giving the right information to our suppliers and so that they give us the correct information and we can plan our production accordingly in meeting our customer needs. Gotcha, really interesting as so many companies um, collect data through their ERP system, but don't take it to the next level of analysis. So they might look at the first promise date, uh, but then don't don't evaluate how many times that promise date changes, right? So, you know, measuring uh, uh, delivery to the last promise date <laughs> is one thing, but measuring it to the first promise date is something else, right? So, you know, looking at, at data from all different angles is really important. Do you get other um, uh, purchasing information from your ERP system, like um, like uh, pricing history or purchase histories with um, approved vendors, that sort of thing? What kind of uh, information is available to you? Yes, it will give us the purchase history. Um, it'll also manage our AVL or approved vendor list of who we're um, allowed to buy from, uh, as well as pricing our current price from our suppliers. And so a lot of those will vary. It doesn't always keep maybe the history within the system, but then we have DOMO reports that will um, uh, kind of track it along the way. But yes, everything we do is pretty much within our ERP system. It's terrific. So, uh, you know, interestingly, I, I understand you also have experience in sales operations. So looking across the organization, in any organization, the sales staff is the, the group that's in touch with the customer. So they usually know what's coming, you know, what should be forecasted, what's likely to happen, how um, uh, requirements are changing with your, your customers and so forth. And having that background must be quite interesting with respect to how you're executing procurement now that you have an understanding of how, uh, how sales fits into that big picture. Oh, absolutely. You know, sitting on both sides of the desk really gives you an interesting picture. And so when you're on the sourcing side, there's a certain attitude or arrogance we might be able to have because, you know, somebody has to sell to us. But when you sit on the opposite side of the desk and now you see through the lens of a salesperson, I think it really humbles you into what it takes to truly sell and create a long lasting relationship. Uh, when I was in uh, the director of sales operations, uh, it was a great opportunity for me to get that. I also led an inside sales team, and it was really a, a very interesting perspective to see what dialing for dollars is and, and the benefit that the customers will get out of it. But I would say it definitely humbled me as I came back into sourcing, and now I work with suppliers. But when the requests come up, I really think through the lens of, okay, well, how do we need to think about this differently? Not just through my lens within sourcing, but really how is it that it's going to ultimately impact the customer? And that's probably the greatest reward I got out of that. 
I, I think that's incredibly important. And I think, you know, I got to compliment you on understanding that. Is there so many, you know, people that get in supply chain, they get um, sort of it boxed into their vertical, right? So they're doing their job and doing it well, but don't look across the organization. And that's the kind of the opening um, that supply chain the, you know, moving from say logistics and purchasing and warehousing and transportation into a, a look across the organization at supply chain. So all of those things combined is a maturing, I think, um, of a lot of supply chain people. So, you know, in the past, everyone had their functions and their little boxes uh, and not, not too distant, distant past either, maybe 20, 25 years ago. And now we have a much broader view across the organization and understanding the cause and effect relationships between things like sales and procurement is a really important perspective and demonstrates a lot of, a lot of maturity, I think, in thinking about global supply chains. Well, uh, it's been fascinating talking to you today, Bernie. Thank you so much. Do you have any advice for the listeners? We have a lot of women listeners in particular. Um, so do you have any advice for leading organizational change in their own companies or how they might go about putting their best foot forward in procurement? Great question. As a female leader, I think it's very important that we do what's natural to us. And I care. And I'm not ashamed to show that I care or that I'm passionate about something. And I would encourage, especially the female leaders out there, to utilize that passion and energy so that they, the leadership or the people you're trying to sell on your vision will buy into it. And so not only do I care about the employees that work for me and their success, I care about the customers and that they're happy. I care about the suppliers and that they're rewarded for doing a good job. But I also care about the how Protolabs is doing and performing. And so I never shut that off. And I think that's something that we as limit women can exhibit a little bit differently. And I think we should embrace it. Yeah, I, I agree. And do you find it's... Um... I, I, for me, being a, also a female in a, in sort of a man's manufacturing world and man's supply chain world, um, I find it has some advantages for sure. I think women are better at um, addressing relationships uh, and maintaining those relationships, really working at it. And that has become uh, front page news uh, for yes. global supply chains, understanding how they all work together uh, and promoting those kind of relationships, I think is really important. Well, that's great. That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Bernie. Um, it was really interesting to talk to you and about your organization and the fascinating kind of business that Proto Labs is in. Can you give us your contact information if listeners want to hear more from you or get in touch with you? Absolutely. So um, my contact information is bernadine.henderson at protolabs.com. And so sorry about the long name, but it was given to me. And um, uh, they can send me an email and I'd be very glad to uh, hear from anybody who's interested. Terrific. Thank you so much. And you can listen to more frictionless supply chain podcasts posted on Supply Chain Management Review's landing page iTunes, 
Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can reach me, Rosemary Coates, at rcoates at reshoringinstitute.org. And visit our website at www.reshoringinstitute.org, where we publish all of our research on manufacturing in America. Have a great day, everyone.